You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tulip. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. Thank you for tuning in. A Matter of Theology, A.G. Martin here with my special co-host, Josh Loftus from Everyday and Monday Podcast. Make sure you go check out the Everyday and Monday Podcast. Josh, what do you do on Everyday and Monday? Everyday and Monday is a podcast uh, by everyday people for everyday people. We talk about serving in the church, why it's important, the value behind serving in church, good and bad motives for it. We interview a different person each week uh, that's just serving in everyday ways in the church, serving in the trenches. You know, you're printing bulletins or serving in the nursery um, and just bringing, bringing value back to, to service, man. Nice. That's awesome. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a, a great concept because no one talks about just the everyday people that serve within the church. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's honestly the main reason the podcast started is just for that very reason. It's mm-hmm. so often, especially in the area I'm in, so much emphasis can just kind of be put on, you know, the guy up there preaching and kind of right. gravitating toward kind of the, you know, the the celebrity pastor kind of model. Mm-hmm. And the people serving in the trenches that are doing the real work, the real ministry, mm-hmm. uh, they get forgotten. And uh, yeah. those things are vital, vital for the life of yeah. the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you're serving in your church, check out uh, Everyday Monday podcast because chances are he's interviewed someone that does what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But speaking yep. of pastors, yeah, that's our show today. We're going to be talking about the job of a pastor, you know, because what we see a lot of now is an abuse of the pulpit. Yep. Basically, it's a guy getting up there who hasn't read or studied the pastoral epistles of Paul. Mm -hmm. And basically, he's just a glorified motivational speaker and people love him for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Or you have him on the opposite end uh, who uses the word of God and the epistles like a sledgehammer. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And and beats people over the head with it. Right. You have Mm. you have abuse. And what's what? is important to realize is that both are abuse. Yes. Both, both sides are abuse, right? That's right. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's some guy up there either 
ignoring scripture, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And preaching the feel good sermons, like you said, or taking that scripture, you know, his 10 pound, you know, Reformation study Bible or whatever yeah. it is he has, right? Or yeah. more than likely uh, King James, let's be honest, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, not not pointing any fingers. No, no no, Anderson, no, 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 but, uh... no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And clubbing people overhead with it. So it's, it's on yeah. both sides there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first let's, let's talk about what it means to be a pastor or a preacher. Uh, I'm going to use those terms kind of synonymously, yeah. even though, you know, a pastor is really someone uh, in a role in the church that cares for the flock and stuff. And a preacher can be someone who just, you know, ascends the pulpit anywhere, you know, he's invited and just, and, and, and brings the word. So, but I'm going to use them interchangeably right. um, as we uh, talk about this, but to be a pastor or to be a preacher is to be divinely called of God mm-hmm. to proclaim his word to his people. Mm-hmm. Right. So the purpose is to open God's word mm-hmm. and proclaim his word. Right. We're not to proclaim uh, our feelings or our dreams and visions that we had the night before, mm-hmm. or, or we're not even really to relay you know, a quote unquote message that God laid on my heart the night before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely know that's not from God because Paul says, you know, you are to be a workman. You're to be studied, showing yourself approved. And there's no way a message you get the night before that you studied for it and that, you know, the context and what's going on in that passage to be able to bring it to the congregation and make proper application for it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's the main difference, just two, two big words, right? Exegesis, eisegesis, right? That's right. What are you, what are you doing when you're up there interpreting scripture? Are you doing exegesis? Meaning, are you allowing the scripture and the interpretation of the text is coming from scripture and Mm -hmm. informing how you preach and what you preach instead of the opposite eisegesis is when you take your opinions and how you think the text should read and mm-hmm. you bend and twist and manipulate the passage to fit the mold that you want to shove it into. That's right. right? Usually a lot of people that do eisegesis, really they have a tradition, something they've grown up in mm-hmm. that, that that's really not in the Bible, but it's what they've been taught. And so now they take the Bible and they, they work it around their tradition. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see it. You see it all over, all over the place. You know, especially in if somebody is struggling with Phariseeism or legalism, right? They are they are engaging in horrible eisegesis, and one of the tell signs of eisegesis is context goes out the window. Oh yeah, right. If somebody, if there is no context being given to you from Scripture, and by context we mean, you know. What is the historical context of this of this passage? What did this mean for the people that received it? You know, if it's in a mm-hmm. if it's one of Paul's letters, what does this mean for the church that received it? What's the historical mm-hmm. context? What's the what's the authorial intent? Right? What mm-hmm. is the writer, the author, trying to get out? Right? right, and trying to say. So all those things are super important. And when you're engaging in eisegesis, those things are ninety nine point nine percent of the time just out the window. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, now if we look at kind of the, the problems that we see in the modern day evangelical church, yeah, really it starts with the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason is we have, 
this idea that the pastor is kind of like the top guy right? and everyone else is under him. And, and so everyone answers to the pastor, but that's not how it's supposed to work. The, the, now you have a, you can have what's called like a main teaching pastor, sure. but he's yeah. just the first among equals. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and how it's, you know, church, church uh, structure is supposed to work is that you have the church is run by a group of elders. Right. And so the pastor doesn't get, you know, the, the ultimate vote, you know, the, the elders can say, eh, I don't think you need to do that. And, and then kind of pull in the reins and, you know, the pastor, the main teaching pastor or whatever, you know, kind of falls in line, but it's not a, what we, what we see today, you know, that would be kind of biblical mm-hmm. way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> for lack of a better term, biblical, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what we see today, what we see a lot of is we see one guy mm-hmm. who's the visionary. Yeah. He's the pastor of the church. He's the leader of the and church. It's, he, oh, it's always that term too. Like yeah. I, I cast the vision. Casting right? like, the vision. What does that right. even mean? Like yeah. you, you gotta cast the vision. And and most of the time it's not God's vision for his church. No. It, it's their vision that they want yeah. to elevate themselves. But you have one guy who casts the vision and then everyone else he sets up to support his vision. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it it's it's the business model of church, right? Mm-hmm. And and I've gone I've been in quite a few churches that have this model where you have the CEO and he Mm -hmm. calls the shots, right? And everything, every women fancy the CEO has, everything else is meant to just kind of support that, right? And what happens is you end up having pride and arrogance and dysfunction in the elder board because if one person is calling the shots, there's no accountability there. That's right. Right. Uh, there's no amount of barriers. Um, there's no amount of 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 um, you know the other elders who have been given wisdom by God being able to speak into the life of this individual. Right. Yep. It just it goes off the rails so fast when you have the hierarchy of elders. That's right. right. Um, yeah, the best churches, and I agree with you, the best churches that I've seen, the ones that are flourishing the most, make no distinction between the pastoral offices. That's right. The only distinction they make is the giftings, right? right. What are these men gifted in? Well, he's the preaching elder because he's gifted in preaching. He, he's the Mm -hmm. counseling elder or Mm -hmm. he's the, you know, the, the community care or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whatever the giftings are, those are the distinctions you make instead Mm -hmm. of, oh, he's the lead pastor and, or, you know, he's the, you know, he's the executive pastor. It's not that those terms are bad in and of themselves. I just think that they can tend to be, tend to be unhealthy. Yeah. In most cases. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. And and when you really get down to it, to be an elder, mm-hmm. you must be able to teach. That's a qualification for an elder. Yes, that way, um, each elder can get up into the pulpit and proclaim the truths of God. Right. That that, that is a qualifying uh, characteristic of an elder in a church. Yeah. If he can't teach... Well, he's not qualified to be an elder. 
you know, maybe he can be a deacon or something, but an yeah. elder must be able to teach. Exactly. It doesn't mean you can't serve. It doesn't mean right. that you can't be a flourishing and very productive and, and, and helpful member of the body. Mm-hmm. It just means that perhaps leading, being in a position to lead the church, lead your brothers and sisters in the truths of scripture, that just might not be an office that God's called you to. And that's right. okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A- absolutely. So, so let's kind of get into our our foundational text mm-hmm. for preachers, what a preacher is to do. And so the text that I have before me is second Timothy uh, chapter four. And it's Paul writing to uh, kind of his son in the faith, Timothy. Uh, he's been discipling Timothy, growing Timothy up. And Timothy is a young pastor in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's writing Timothy this letter because ultimately the the church is kind of turning on him. And yeah. Paul's telling him to be bold, stand firm until he, he can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, So Paul writes this. We're going to start in in verse one. Mm -hmm. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Mm -hmm. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So we're right there. Here's here's the charge. Yep. Preach the word. That means you have nothing to say. A preacher has nothing to say apart from the word of God, which ultimately is the only infallible and inerrant portion of a preacher's sermon That's is right. the reading of the word. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. But but it's I mean the just, only part you can't screw up on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just That's reading right. the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But he says this, I mean, let's 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 kind of break this down. So preach the word. And what you know, I heard uh Dr. Lawson say this one time. Um he said a preacher has nothing to say apart from the word of God. Mm-hmm. So when I got the chance to meet Dr. Lawson at G3, <clears throat> I had uh, my my preaching Bible, and in the front of it, I've got a picture of John Knox taped there. And I gave it to him, and I said, Dr. Lawson, I want you to write in this Bible, a preacher has nothing to say apart from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, and he goes, you want me to write all that? <laughs> and I said, write it, please. And, and he, and I he wrote it here and wait. <laughs> and he wrote it. And uh, and so, you know, it's it's just that reminder. When you step into the pulpit, mm-hmm. you have nothing to say apart from the word of God. Right. And you are to be ready in season and out of season. That's that's a way of saying all day, every day. Yep. 24-7, 360, 365, you are to always be ready to proclaim the truths of God because that's the calling that he has brought you into. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it's amazing how these preachers, I say preachers, use that loosely, mm-hmm. don't realize that today. Yeah, well, and it's. I think it's just 
I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? We, we're, we're struggling with the same things in our culture today that we've struggled with since Adam ate the apple. It's just packaged differently, right? Yeah, so right. the the problems that we see in the pulpits today, I believe, are a direct result of just not having a high enough view of Scripture, first mm. and foremost, right? Um, preach the word. That is the exhortation. That is the command. Mm -hmm. That is the encouragement, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because the word is the change agent, right? We That's talk right. about this a lot. Um, anybody who's done any amount of um, uh, biblical counseling, uh, mm -hmm. of, it, it, we're, we're huge on the sufficiency and the authority of the word of God. That's right. And there's a reason for that is because nothing that I have in my head as a preacher or as a counselor or just as a Christian, nothing I have in my head is going to help anybody. That's right. I don't have the authority. I don't have the ability to change the heart, to take the heart of stone and turn it into flesh. I don't have the ability to open the eyes and the ears, right? That is something that is reserved for the power of the Holy Spirit that is done through the proclamation of the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that's why Paul is so specific here. And he says, preach the word, not preach your opinion. Mm -hmm. Or preach part of the word, preach the word, mm -hmm. because that is the only thing that is going to bring change. It's the only thing that brings hope, and it's mm -hmm. the only thing that has authority. And if the preacher wants to make a change and make a difference and be powerful behind the pulpit and bring the power back into back into preaching, preach the word. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the stories. Don't worry about the the examples. Those will come. Not to say those are yeah. bad. It's fine, but preach the word. Mm -hmm. That is your job. Right. Now I had a, I had an experience one time mm -hmm. I was, I had actually just gotten home from, from church and I was just kind of laying down resting and this notification popped up about this preacher was, you know, their Facebook live was going on. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll tune in and, and see yeah. what they're saying. And, uh, so I tune in and I had obviously missed like the first 20 minutes or, or so of it. Sure. So, you know, he's talking and I just, you know, on, on Facebook live, you can interact. And so, you know, you can put comments and stuff. So I just put a comment that said, you know, what it, it basically, well, I asked them, is he expositing a passage of scripture or is he just giving a lecture? Mm, sure. You know, and, uh, I, and, I followed that up with, you know, if there's a text, well, I want to go read the text so I can catch up and, and be on the same page. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ministry team, you know, commented back and said, well, he's teaching a six week series out of his new book, you know, whatever the book was. And so I said, wait a minute. So he's not teaching a text. Mm -hmm. He's, he's teaching the chapters in his book. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, and uh but it's still exegetical, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, still, it's still verse by verse. <laughs> right. And, and and so they commented back basically the same thing. Yes, he's doing a six part series on his book, blah, 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 blah. And there's scriptures uh in it. And so someone else commented and they said, Well, he's doing an apologetic of sorts. And I said, Yeah, I realize that. I, I kind of picked up on the on the arguments he was making, and mm -hmm. I said, in everything he's saying, I agree with. It's exactly right. Yeah. But what he's saying belongs in a classroom. When you ascend the pulpit, your job is to preach the word. Paul told Timothy to preach the word, not preach the chapters in your book. Sure. All right, with scriptures right. that back up your your chapters, because you're you're to be a preacher, 
after the souls of the men in your and women in your congregation, not a book salesman from the pulpit. Right. And needless to say, they uh they blocked me from that page. <laughs> <laughs> and the hammer came down. <laughs> I mean, but that's the kind of thing that it's like you should this person i know they know this mm-hmm. but they they're a preacher and when you teach anything other when you really when you teach your book right. from the pulpit you know you're you become a book salesman you're just right. trying to up sales yeah and that's that's the main problem i have with that is is and i've seen that quite a i've seen that at a few times too in some churches that i've been to is some guest preachers will show up and they'll they'll they will just kind of preach something that promotes something that they've written or mm-hmm. something, you know, or, a, or a series that they're doing. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I'm, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily completely against like if, if the past, if the elder team realized that say that their church is going through a very rough period of time mm-hmm. and struggling with something as a whole, right. Sure. I've got no problems with having an occasional, and I use the word occasional, an occasional topical series to address right. something that is important for the health of the church. Right. However, caveat that with, even within that topical series, it is scripture. That's you are right. preaching the word, right? right? You are going to the word as the authority. You're not going to a book. You're not going to your, to your opinion. So say, you know, the church is struggling with forgiveness, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, our, we, we aren't, you know, our congregation is not forgiving each other. We're seeing this. We have to talk about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We have to address this because of the, the health that our church is. I think that's appropriate. As long as you are still using the word of God as your template, as you're going down, right? That's your structure. Don't, don't sprinkle it with verses here and there. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm not even opposed to, if you've written a book and you're preaching and you kind of reference something in the book, I'm not even opposed to that. And I'm, I'm also not opposed to, you know, your sermons being turned into books. I mean, that's how MacArthur's commentaries came about. Dude, was... that's how literally every one of MacArthur's books came about. Yeah. It's, he, he, <laughs> it's, he preached... it's some intern at yeah. Masters typing up and transcripting all of his sermons. <laughs> that's right. I mean, it's just his sermons, he, he's teaching through books of the Bible, yes. verse by verse, right. and they get those get turned into commentaries and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. he's not, he doesn't go right a book and then come teach the book no you know so there's a difference there is a huge difference yeah yep huge difference so all right so now i mean another another issue we see dealing with modern day i'll say the mainstream type guys yeah is they they seem very hype Mm -hmm. right but they have a problem when you start speaking authoritatively Mm-hmm. Right. They don't. The, the idea is love. You've got to love everyone. Sure. Right. right. And anything yeah. authoritatively, you know, where you kind of got to get aggressive. Sure. Uh, anything uncomfortable. That's right. Yeah. Like like sin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're you know, that S word. We're not going to talk that about that today. Word. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the bad word. That's the bad word. That's and we're not even going to because we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about repentance either because yeah. that's a that's a dirty word. Yes, that's right. No no need to repent if there's no sin talked about, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. But now if you're not going to do those things, if you're not going to talk about those things, 
then uh, definitionally, you can't call yourself a preacher. Right. Just because of what the term mm-hmm. preacher in, means. Right. So in the Greek, uh, the term to preach mm-hmm. is keruso. Mm-hmm. And that is to herald. It would be like a like a king's herald. Right. Uh, he sends out his herald with a message, and the herald would come to the village, and he would elevate himself to where everyone could see him, mm-hmm. and he would speak with authority the message that was given to him by the king. Right. So now, in in church, the pastor or the preacher is the herald mm-hmm. who is to proclaim the message of the king right and in our case that's christ yeah now you are you're not free to reinvent preaching all right god never gave you such a decree right right there's one way to do it and i mean i mean when we when we start looking through the pastoral epistles or we start looking at how jesus taught uh God cares about how his word is preached. Mm-hmm. He yep. cares about, about how it's preached and he cares about what is preached. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's very true. You, know, you see that. I mean, God told the prophets what to tell the Israelites, mm-hmm. right? God didn't say, okay, go make something up, you know, go tell them right. some stories and make sure to try to work me in there somewhere. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And make it funny, make it interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, God said, no, go tell them. Mm-hmm. That destruction is coming unless mm-hmm. repentance yep. is sought, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and that uh, that's Jonah also. Go go to Nineveh and tell right. him I'm going to destroy the city. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. God is very specific in what he wants communicated. He was specific mm-hmm. with the prophets. He was spe- specific with Christ. And he's even more specific perhaps with us because we have it in the word of God. We mm-hmm. have it in front of our eyes what is the will of God? What does God say? What does he want us to know? Open the Bible, start reading. That's right. right. Let me, that's where it's at. Let me get to this. Where was it? Here it is. All right. So Mark six, uh, starting in verse seven, Jesus summons the 12 mm-hmm. and he's sending them out in pairs two by two. He's sending them out and he, He's sending them out really as apostles because he's giving them authority. He's giving them his authority. And that's where we get the term apostle. It's one who's sent out with the authority of of the sender. Right. So, and they're instructed to heal the sick, cast out demons. And then uh, verse 12, preach that men should repent. That's right. Now, when when we get in that, we have to say, well, well, preach. We already talked about preach. Yeah. That that's to to herald the message with in an authoritative manner. Yeah. Should repent. Mm-hmm. So now we got to talk about well, what's repent? Right. Well, metanoia, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of a lot of preachers do this too. That they focus on the changing the mind mm-hmm. because it does mean to change your mind. Yep. But. What they do is they they dilute it to say, well, you just got to change how you're thinking. <laughs> sure. And this, that, no, it's it's really a a changing of mind to change your action and change your direction in what you're right. doing. It is a complete 180 directional That's right. change. That's right. So you're going one way towards sin. 
Mm-hmm. And when you repent, you're you're changing your mind to change your action of what you're doing mm-hmm. to turn the other way and head away from sin. Right. So now this is two sides of the same coin. So if you're you can't turn from one without turning to to something else. Right. Uh, and the opposite side of sin is Christ. Yes. So if I'm repenting, if I'm turning from sin, I'm naturally turning to Christ right. as my savior. Uh, right. because you can't do one without the other. Right. So, but, but Jesus here is sending out his, his, his disciples mm-hmm. with his authority and they should heal the sick, cast out demons. And really what, what they're doing, that's not so to show that we will heal the sick and we will cast out demons. That's, that's showing the authority Jesus has, that's right. Right. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, unpopular opinion, right? But that's the mm-hmm. reason the signed gifts were given. And right. that's the reason they're not around anymore. That's at right. least, at least for us that have the word of God, the, the, mm-hmm. the word of God, right? They were right. meant to show the authority to authenticate the message that's right. of the gospel. That's right. And so, and so even at, the, at this time in, in this part of Mark 6, Jesus's fame is becoming well known that, and we see that in verse 14, uh, cause his, his name reaches to, to Herod Antipas. Right. So Jesus's fame is becoming well known while Jesus is sending out his apostles to mm-hmm. show that he is the Messiah and he's sending them with his authority. And what they're doing is they're doing all of this in the name of Jesus, which is why his name is continuing to become popular and right. well known. But, Heal the sick, cast out demons, and preach that men should repent, exactly. and they should repent from sin. That's the job of a preacher. Preach the word, yeah. and in preaching the word, right. you're, you're, you're bringing a realization of your fallen nature, yeah. your, your fallenness and separation from God, right. your... your uh, you're covered in sin and that you desperately need a savior and you must repent of sin and turn to the savior. Right. And I think that's what many do not realize is that when repentance is not preached, when repentance is not emphasized, you are doing, you are shortchanging the Mm. gospel. You are doing such a, such damage to the gospel because what people don't realize is that when repentance happens, when we turn from sin, right? When we turn away from our will and face Christ, Christ is there mm-hmm. with his arms open, taking right. us in, taking us in to his grace, mm-hmm. to his mercy. And people think of this repentance as just, oh, this is this icky thing that's really uncomfortable. It's like, but no, think about what you get to run to. Right. You are running from the city of destruction, like Pilgrim mm-hmm. and Pilgrim's Progress, mm-hmm. and this burden is on your back, and you repent, you turn around, that burden is stripped from you, and you run into the arms of Jesus. That's right. Right? That mm-hmm. is what's not emphasized in repentance. Mm-hmm. Is That's why repentance is so wonderful. Yeah. That's why it needs to be preached all the time, is because oh, Christ yeah. has freed us from our sin. Mm-hmm. He's freed us from the guilt mm-hmm. of it. He's freed us from the stain of it. You about face soldier and face Christ and run to him, right? Repentance is Mm -hmm. so vital and so important and truly wonderful for the Christian. 
That's right. So now uh, you you touched on something which was a good segue into into the this next portion um, is that when a a preacher or a pastor essentially doesn't preach the full counsel of God. Right. So yeah. you've got the, you, you, you've got sin, you know, we'll, we'll say judgment or wrath of God mm-hmm. uh, and repentance and faith in Christ, you know, t- talking on the, the grace of God, the mercy of God shown the sinner. Um, he, here we kind of get into the job of a pastor. Yeah. Um, so pastor as a shepherd of a flock. Right. And ultimately, apart from preaching, the pastor has two main roles that he's supposed to do. And the first one is the safety of the flock. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to, to look after them. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he's supposed to, I mean, like David. David, uh, when he was a shepherd, you know, he had to, what did he tell Saul? He had to fight off bears and he had to fight off lions, right? right. He, not just a bear or a lion, but multiple bears right. and multiple lions. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but this was something that had to be done often. And even Jesus says in, in Matthew that false teachers come like wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. So the job of a pastor is to protect his flock right. from false teachers. Yep. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's only done when you're actually teaching what is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, I mean, it, in order to protect, right, in order to protect your flock from the enemy, you have to know the enemy's tactics, mm-hmm. right? You have to be saturating yourself in the word of God, right? That's why counterfeit artists who catch and, and identify counterfeit money spend all their time studying the real thing okay. just so that they know what the real thing looks like. So that when a fake one comes along, they can identify it very quickly. Yes. Right. And that is the job of the pastor is when he has been, he's been given that responsibility to one saturate himself in the word of God to know the truth, to understand the truth. So when the false doctrine comes in, he's able to identify it quickly, combat it with the gospel and protect those around him. That's right. right? And honestly, I mean, that is the job of every Christian <laughs> to saturate themselves in the word of God yeah. so that they can refute false doctrine and know right. when it's there. But it's a specific role of the pastor in mm-hmm. that you have been given this responsibility of people that God has placed under you for your care that are hurting, that don't understand the word of God, that maybe do understand the word of God, but need, I mean, there's, 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 Tons of different people that mm-hmm. come into church, right? And there are, are, are members of church. And it, it, yeah, it's the pastor's job to know the truth, understand the truth, so that he can mm-hmm. effectively attack and combat the wolves when they show up. Because they show up it, so often in so many different ways, and it's usually not obvious. That's right. It's usually never right. the false teacher coming in and trying to storm up to the pulpit. Right. And preach false doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. It's the subtle um, church members that That's are in right. there causing division among right. the body, right? It's it's small things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Now, when we get into this safety, we also see this in uh, Titus, Titus mm-hmm. one nine. So now, Titus is written in this section. It's it's the qualifications of an elder, mm-hmm. but this this doesn't isn't just limited to elders. Because it's actually written for everyone, but if someone aspires to the office of elder, he must meet these qualifications. Yes. Uh, and so now when we get into 
Titus 1.9, it says, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be uh, able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. Right. So you have to know it. Mm-hmm. And, and in knowing it, like you just said, knowing the truth, n- knowing the real thing, you're able to refute those who contradict you. You're able to spot the counterfeit and refute it. And it, it doesn't just say, you know, um, y- you know, j- don't talk about it. No, it says refute it. Refute it. Yep. Yeah. And, and there is so many, yeah, it is a call to action, yes. right? It's not a call to pacifism. That's um, right. There, this is an essential issue. This isn't mm-hmm. something that we are as pastors or even as Christians um, are supposed to just be complacent on, right? Um, what this is talking about is doctrine that is directly against the gospel of Jesus Christ and changing the gospel, right? These mm-hmm. are issues where it matters what you believe because it defines whether or not you're saved. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we, as pa- you know, those of us who preach, those of us who are pastors, uh, those of us who are just Christians, right? We must, we must contend for the word of God. Yes. And be willing to die on those hills mm-hmm. and it will be uncomfortable. And it doesn't mean that you go all cage stage and you just, like we said at the beginning, right? You you have your big study Bible and you're just clubbing people over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, be gracious, right? Mm-hmm. Be Christ-like. Right. Don't be rude, but be willing to say, like, no, I am I I realize what you're saying. This is a hill I'm dying on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am not I am not budging an inch. I'm mm-hmm. not giving an inch of ground because the doctrine that you are posing right now uh changes my Jesus. That's right. And it changes my gospel. Yeah. <laughs> and I cannot allow that because if that changes then i have nothing to live for that's right right it is that important right right yeah and that that kind of leads into the next point which is the well-being of the flock so we've got the safety right we guard against false doctrines Mm -hmm. but we also have to take care of our flock that's under our care yes Uh, you know growing and nurturing the soul yeah. Right, growing them in in Christian maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, we can say say there's someone who sin has come up in their right. It's it's right. it's it's noticeable sin. Well, yeah. caring for the well being of that person, well, we must address it. We have to confront yep. it. Yep. But but how do we confront it? Well, because we care about the well-being, their well-being, and we want to bring them to repentance, well, yeah. we may uh, confront it on a personal level, right? We right. meet with them maybe with another el- one other elder mm-hmm. um, or their spouse or something like that. And you know, right. <clears throat> But we, we confront the sin because we care about the, the person who has come under our care. Mm-hmm. And, and it's our responsibility to address this and and hopefully bring them to repentance through through the word and through the gospel. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and you know, Ag, this is something that I have just recently, I think, come into the realization that I think this is where the primary gifts that God has given me lie in mm. is this is pastoral care. 
Um, I used mm, to be, I used to want to be the guy that was up front and preaching and, uh, and it wasn't for good reasons. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I enjoy preaching. It's something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, but that has shifted and mm. there is nothing, you know, especially if you're, if you're at all, if, um, if anyone's done any type of counseling or, or biblical counseling, there is nothing that I have found that is more satisfying than seeing the gospel apply to someone's life, mm. whether yeah. it's convicting them of sin mm. and watching that repentance, right? Mm. The 180, yep. uh, whether someone's dealing with grief, uh, losing a spouse or a loved one, uh, whether they're struggling with depression or anxiety mm. or self-harm, um, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, right? Mm. I have seen the gospel do the impossible mm-hmm. and change the mind and change the heart. And there is nothing more satisfying and there's nothing I'm getting emotional just thinking about <laughs> it. There is nothing more exciting than to literally see, as we know in Corinthians, a new creation mm-hmm. form and material materialize right in front of your face. Yeah. There is nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. And that care, that pastoral care uh, that pastors are supposed to and and have the blessing to do um, is tops, man. Like, I, I love it so much. There's yeah. nothing greater than seeing the gospel do what the gospel does. That's right. Um, and just just let it fly. Yeah. <laughs> let it fly. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's so good. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on that and. You know, as as much as I enjoy um, standing up and opening up scripture mm-hmm. and proclaiming the word, yeah, the moments where, you know, like we talked about last episode, you know, dealing with with the youth, mm-hmm. uh, when it, when you get into small groups with your the the kids that you lead in youth, and now you're not standing up in front of them, just kind of hammering out the gospel. Now you're, you're in, closer with them and you're, you're helping them apply it to their life. Exactly. You're, you're helping show them and answer their questions. Well, how can I, what areas can I apply this in? And, and you can actually walk them through different areas of their life where this is ap- actually going to be applicable and it's going to help them grow and help them flourish into a stronger, mature Christ follower. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the caring for the well being of your flock. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's where the money's made right there. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we like to see. Um, just, yeah. Because, I mean, and preaching is, it can't be done without preaching. Right. Right. Again, right. we don't want to minimalize preaching. Preaching is vital. It must oh, yeah. be there, right? Yes. But a pastor needs to be able to do both. They need mm-hmm. the voice for the wolves and yes. the for the sheep. That's right. right. They need to be able to fend off the bears and the lions mm-hmm. and then turn around and speak softly and graciously mm-hmm. uh, with rebukes, with encouragement, with exhortations right. to the, 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 the sheep that are under their care, right? right. Because we are all sheep of of the greater shepherd, right? Mm. Christ does that for us. That's right. Right. And we see the example of Christ as he deals with us in our sin, deals mm. with us in our failures, deals mm. with us in our shortcomings. Mm. And we as pastors take that model, turn around and apply it. 
That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, and apply it to those that God has graciously placed under our care mm-hmm. for some weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I would say if you're a pastor, cause I mean, really I, I'm not a pastor. No, no, right? I'm not either. Yeah. And, and now, but I am an intern and what I, and I'm moving, uh, towards, uh, full-time ministry. That's my goal is to be in full-time ministry. Right. Um, I used so, to be a pastor and I'm not currently, but yes, yeah. again, moving into that, moving yeah. into that very quickly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, at, when you're a pastor, if you're, if you're a pastor, if you do not care about the safety of your flock, right? The teaching that they're getting, then you don't care about their well being. So now, we know that everyone kind of because of podcasts and technology and everything like that today, uh, we can, you know, we can go listen to all these different preachers from all around the world and whatnot, you know? Um, and and it's good, you know, that's, that's an, that's a great thing. You know, you can listen to Vody, you can listen to MacArthur or Lawson or Paul Washer, you know, when you want to, really feel the rebuke uh yeah that's right (laughs) when you want to feel the when you want to feel the fire on the back of the neck right that's right but i would say i would say that as as a pastor you should know the the preachers that your flock is listening to Mm -hmm. right because if you're in a in a church and you're you know you've got a solid pastor who exposits scripture he yeah. makes great application and he may even throw a joke in there once in a while you know but but he sticks to the text mm-hmm. right he's teaching you the bible yeah well if you've got someone that can listen t- to a, a pastor like that mm-hmm. but at the same time can go listen to Stephen Furtick <laughs> there's kind of a problem that there's a disconnect somewhere That's right, right. <laughs> so so now there there are those people that can listen to Stephen Furtick because they're mature in their faith and they listen to gain examples of what not to do <laughs> sure. or so that they can teach people and say, here, you see how he missed it right here. He just completely went off into left field. Yeah. Right. But, but hey, man, to be honest, man, that le- that guy's leg days are on point for real, bro. Um, that guy's that hit man, his lats and oh man, they are amazing. Sorry. Sorry. We can move on. <laughs> I'm not Googling pictures of Stephen Furtick right now. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I mean, as a pastor, you should know who your, who, who your people are, are listening to, who they're, who they're even reading. Right. Because if they're getting solid teaching, Mm -hmm. well, they should know who solid preachers are. Yeah. And they should know who solid authors are. Right. And and so they should be able to to know that if you're if you're listening to a solid preacher, well, you can't just go listen to, you know, Joel Osteen and say they're the same thing and, right. and, and get your get, get your soul fed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it comes down to it really comes down to this, A.G., and I'm convinced of this the more and more that I've been in pastoral ministry and not in pastoral ministry and going back in, you know, whatever the case is. I am convinced of this is that the greatest because and I'll 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 bring this back around but the greatest trait that a pastor can have that will make them the most effective in any ministry that they're doing is humility. Mm. 
There is no trade. And if you're a pastor, please listen to me, please, because I, I'm speaking to you as one that failed at this <laughs> so miserably. There is nothing that will kill your ministry faster. There is nothing that will make you more ineffective for the gospel faster. There is nothing that will make you more inapproachable faster than pride. Mm. There is nothing that will kill your, that is a ministry killer worse than pride. Mm. And when pride is present, when we are putting ourselves in front of the gospel, everything that we do is going to be tainted with us. And you are literally adding poison to the medicine. Mm. You are adding poison to the gospel, right? So I implore you, pastor, look, you don't have to have the greatest seminary degree. You don't have to have all of the study Bibles and all the commentaries, although those are all very helpful. <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> don't take me wrong. Those are very, very helpful. But if you are a humble man that wants to see Christ big, and the gospel go out and apply the word of God and good theology to your congregants. You love your sheep. You will do just fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you are pursuing Christ and his fame, his glory and not your own. Man, that's I, I have seen more pastors fall and more congregants hurt and more churches split because the pastors are prideful. Mm. And that's not Jesus. Right. <laughs> we don't see that in our Jesus. Jesus didn't show us pride. He showed us humility. Yeah. Right. We as pastors have no cause to be prideful. Mm -hmm. Right. And it and and to wrap that back around, pastors, don't be afraid to recommend books and other pastors to your congregants. It's okay. It's a it, you know, it, it's not a contest. Right. You don't need to feel attacked by that. Right. right. There are many wise men uh, and women out there that, that the Lord has blessed with wisdom and knowledge that are far beyond me. You know, everything I say in a sermon is plagiarized anyway. I've never had an original thought in my life. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sitting on the shoulders of giants. We sure are, man. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now, now, now I, I do want to make a distinction. When Josh mentions women, he's not saying women pastors. No, no, no. He's yeah. saying, but there are women who have knowledge of certain things that you could learn from. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Look at you always telling me what I meant. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm just clarifying in <laughs> case is... someone's like, he's talking about women preachers. That's right. Yes. No, don't go buy any Joyce Meyer books. Please. That's right. Don't do that. Um, yes, that that is what I meant. Um yeah, and and if you don't you don't have to feel personally attacked by that, mm -hmm. right? That's that's totally fine. Um, that's 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 okay to do. And mm -hmm. the pastor that is secure in the gospel, right? We always say, yeah. well, you know, they need to be secure in themselves. No, no, no. That's mm -hmm. where pride comes from. That's right. Yeah, that's that's when pride takes hold because I'm never going to be secure in myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, when we are secure in our identity in Christ mm -hmm. in the gospel, then humility can flow through through us right and mm -hmm. we can we can we will be more effective and a greater blessing to those that are around us that's right that's right and another thing um pastors quit dressing like you just raided your teenager's closet <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait hold on are you getting that down south there man <laughs> 
like, like I, mean, I mean i mean that's that, that's pacific northwest stuff up here man what are you talking about I'm just, i don't i saw this picture of some preacher that i mean he his socks had like capes on them and stuff <sighs> I mean, right on. Oh man, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh man, what's the thing? Preachers and sneakers, right? That Instagram. Yes. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh man, I man. If somebody, man, I want to do like the opposite of that, like preachers and like Crocs, and just show all of them, <laughs> like, yeah, hey, this preacher's rocking the, uh, you know, the, the, the thirty nine ninety five New Balance uh, <laughs> white grass stained tennies. He's wearing the dad shoes. He's wearing the dad shoes, man. I wore the dad shoes until just recently and then my brother-in-law finally looked at me he's like dude you have to stop you don't understand you are fitting every single stereotype dad oh, shoes man. and cargo pants like it's comfy i'm sorry what are you gonna do yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i'm you know i'm i wear to church i'll wear jeans and a t-shirt and and you know sometimes well, mm-hmm. I, I say sometimes most of the time i do wear my hat because i'm bald and stuff yeah. and i just i'm too we lazy to cut my hair we don't need the shekinah glory in service man that's, <laughs> that's right <laughs> but but i do i'm one of those those kind of old school guys man and it's because i love guys like lawson and uh and macarthur yeah. i i love putting on a a, a jacket and tie yeah. <laughs> a sharp dressed man starts playing like rolling into church in your cadillac right? and, and i i will say this because because i to- actually told my pastor this i said i said you know what I hate the table. I, I really wish we had a pulpit because you know if if I if I'm speaking for the youth, uh, I would much rather have a pulpit. But well, yeah. Well, you need. Well, I mean, two reasons. One, it hides you, yeah. right? And then second, you need something to hit. That's right. right? Yes, yeah, you need something to pound. Right. That's yeah. right. I mean, I can only hit this the table so many times before That's all my right. stuff falls off. That's right. Yeah. And then you just look like an idiot. Like, all right. Well, Let's pray. That's that's right. But then, but the, but then he looked at, and I was sitting next to Chris, and he looked at looked at me and Chris, and he goes, "You MacArthur guys, you <laughs> MacArthur guys, you and your pulpits." Right? <laughs> so, oh, take the music stand down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, I'm not legalistic about it. So if you know, if we don't have a pulpit, you know, we don't have a pulpit. You know, we use a table. Sure, it's right. whatever. I mean, I just need a pulpit just to hold the, the preaching Bible I have. That thing's heavier than than I am. That thing's huge. Is that the uh, is that the the steadfast one? No, it's the it's it's the Reformation one. So I graduated. Uh, I got when I got my master's. Uh, my in laws actually the Ligonier Conference Northwest came out. This was two years ago, I think, or four years ago. I don't know. And they bought me the like the leather bound uh reformation study bible nice and i still got it in like the case like i only pull it out. It, it's really dorky but i only pull it out when i preach man right? okay. dude uh, don't... i can't bring it to the i can't bring it to church man i'd throw my back out like my sciatica would go out bringing that sucker to church dude so so chris got it you talk about keeping your bible in a case so chris got yeah, an yeah. allen an nasb allen oh okay and he keeps it in the case and it kind of prompted me to get my own allen mm-hmm. and i got it and I keep mine in the case. Yeah. And there was, man, we were going to my in-laws church and it was raining and I took it out of the case to care. So I didn't look like a dork. 
yeah. it, and some rain got on the on the gilding and it's got oh, some splotches no. on it oh. Oh. but yeah and that hurts yes I, I mean mine man when i take mine out of the case it's like it's like darth vader coming out of his suit it's just, <laughs> right and slowly take it out your white gloves and yeah that's right that's don't right touch, don't touch him that's right but um, pastors preachers be bold in your proclamation of the word. Right. Stick to the text. Okay. You don't have to have a gimmick in order to bring people in and fill the seats as long as you are faithful to the word and you let it do its job. Right. It's going to change the hearts of people. Don't try to adjust your message to the ears of. To, to to comfort the ears of of the congregation okay stick to the text glorify god in your message and it will it will change the hearts of the people in your congregation and they will naturally as the spirit works in them they will desire more of the bible yeah. i mean it's one of those things that's just when when a preacher preaches the bible i mean as soon as as the spirit starts moving in people's hearts, they just hunger for more of the Bible. That's how it works. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I I put this at the top anytime I preach, I put this quote at the top. It's one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon. And he's talking to pastors, right? And he says, No Christ in your sermon, sir. Then go home, never preach again until you have something worth preaching. Mm. It is the pastor's job, the primary job. When you step behind that pulpit and you open up your 10-pound study Bible, <laughs> looking out at the congregation, looking at you waiting to, waiting to receive, whatever passage of Scripture you are in, whether you're in the Songs of Solomon, whether you're in Colossians, whether you're in Lamentations, wherever you are in the Bible, your job as the preacher is to find Jesus in the text. Yes. And take that text mm -hmm. and make a beeline to the gospel yes. as fast as you possibly can. And I remember – yeah, so sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, if you've seen uh, uh, American Gospel, oh yeah, right? Mark Dever, towards the end of it, he says, if you're preaching on a passage and, and you, you, don't see, you don't see how that relates to Jesus, that's a passage you're not ready to preach yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember having a conversation with uh, one of my pastors, not my current pastors, uh, just when, when I was on staff at a church, I remember having a conversation with one of the pastors there and I expressed that to him, you know, cause I had just recently come into that realization that like, yeah, Jesus, the gospel is the mm -hmm. point of preaching. That is the point of preaching. Right. Mm -hmm. and I remember kind of explaining this and then uh, it's kind of quiet and he, and he says, well, I mean, don't you think he's like, I don't know. Don't you think people would kind of get tired of hearing the gospel like every Sunday? And, oh, I about died. And it wasn't even like rage. It was just utter sadness. Yeah, just disappointment. I don't know what else there is to preach. That's right. What else do you have to preach than the grace and mercy and love of our holy God? Mm -hmm. That's right. If there is anything else that you think is above that, Please, mm -hmm. for 
for the sake of your congregation and yourself, step down until you realize the majesty and glory of the gospel. Mm. And, and that is now, where the church comes. Now, if you are a a, a church goer, you're not a, a pastor or a preacher, yeah. and you're not sitting under uh, biblical preaching, gospel mm-hmm. preaching, the first thing I would suggest that you do is go talk to your pastor yes. and, yep. and ask him, you know, why, you know, make some, take some notes and say, you know, why don't you talk on, uh, on the gospel? Why, why do you talk on these things? Basically, why do you talk on moralism or, yeah. you know, things like that basically just do and be a good person and not, uh, you know, repent and come to Christ, you know, but go talk to them. And right. then if nothing changes, uh, I would say, now it's time to find a new a new pastor that you can sit under yeah. and be fed. And 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 that honestly is one of those hills that we die on. And that's when I think that that is a hill that we should die on. Is mm-hmm. that if the gospel is not being proclaimed, right? Um, and it's therapeutic uh, moralism, right? It's mm-hmm. behavior modification at right. best. That's all it's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. If the gospel isn't there, yes. I, I, I agree with AJ. Go go talk to your pastors in humility, in grace, remembering the grace that you have been given, extend mm-hmm. the exact same yeah. grace yeah. to your pastors, right? Um, and if that doesn't go well and the word of God isn't being preached and the gospel isn't there, then yes, please mm-hmm. go find yeah. a church that holds the word of God high mm-hmm. and preaches Jesus and his gospel every stinking Sunday. That's right. That's, that's actually how I ended up at the church I'm at is just mm-hmm. – um, I knew that I needed gospel preaching and I wasn't getting it. And so I was actually invited to visit at, at the church I'm at now. And so I went and I visited mm-hmm. and it was scripture from start to finish the gospel. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And yeah. there was, there was fire and mm-hmm. there, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking fire and brimstone. I'm talking about there was passion Right in the preaching, right. there, there was fire, there was passion, right. and, and Dunamis. that's right, and passion in the preaching, and then it led to compassion for the congregation, for the hearer to come to Christ, to grow in Christ, and so that's why you know after I heard that, I said, "This is where I need to be, and that's the preaching I need to be sitting under." And right. so you know, it wasn't long after that before I became a member of that church, and. I encourage my pastor all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and this is something that you should do. You should encourage your pastor all the time because Please. because Please. <laughs> there is a weight upon him, and that that I mean, it comes and goes. But sometimes there's a weight that where he he may feel like he needs to change his message to to kind of fit uh, new people that are coming in and. You know, I encourage my pastor all the time. I love what you're doing. Don't change it. Stay in the word. That's what's drawing people in. That's why God's bringing people here for so that you can proclaim the gospel to them being faithful how you're doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I would agree completely. Your pastors need your encouragement Mm -hmm. and passion just because they are in the place of leadership over you does not mean that you can't speak into their lives right <laughs> does not mean that you have not been given wisdom by god to share with them mm-hmm. as well right we right. as you know pastors and uh those of us who are or are in ministry we aren't on this 
a high horse pedestal, right? right? Like I said at last last week, we are we are simply beggars showing other beggars where to find bread, mm-hmm. right? That that's who we are. And yes, we those of us who are in leadership are in a unique position, but that doesn't make us these spiritual giants. That doesn't mean our armor is any thicker, right? Right? Uh, we are susceptible to the same sins as we were before we mm-hmm. were put into the position of elder, right? Yeah. Uh, and we need the accountability, and th- that's what the body does. That's what the church does, right? We mm-hmm. talk about that on my podcast all the time. That's why it's so important to get plugged in in church. That's where you find the encouragement and the accountability, mm-hmm. and that's where you find healing and growth. That's right, with each other through the that's gospel. Right. That's right. Well, we hope that this episode has blessed you. If you're a pastor, we hope that it's encouraged you, that mm-hmm. it's it, it's brought about a, a passion and a desire to for for the next time that you step into the pulpit to bring the word and bring it with fervor to 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 your congregation. Um, if you're a church goer, we hope that uh, we've kind of given you some things to look out for uh, mm-hmm. in, in a pastor. Um, but anyway, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you've learned something, uh, and we hope that it blesses you. I'm AG Martin. That's Josh Loftus. Go check out Everyday on Monday podcast. You're going to enjoy it. And this has been Matter of Theology. Take care and be blessed. Good day.